Good morning. Good morning. Listen, I ain't saying that God blesses chili cook-offs, but when he gives us a cold, dreary day, the same day the church has a chili cook-off, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. We've been going through this series, The 40 Days in the Word, and uh, it's actually, this is, this is day 40. We made it through. We've made it, and it's, have y'all enjoyed it? It's been, it's been fantastic. We've been able to fill out the books and learn all about uh, understanding and knowing more about Scripture. Uh, and today we're going to talk about actually integrating it and kind of putting it into our lives and how we're going to use this information that we're given, because information is relatively useless unless we do something with it. Um, the key verse for today uh, comes from Matthew 7, 24. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the sensible man who built his house on the rock. Um, I like it. I use the Holman version of the Bible because it says sensible. And a lot of versions, your version might say wise. It might say smart. It might say, you know, whatever. But I like sensible. Uh, my mom would tell me growing up, act like you got some sense. You know, you don't have to have it. Just please act like it. Let the other people believe that you got some sense, like I raised you right. Uh, but anybody, anybody like building things? Oh, yeah. Every guy in the room is like, I like building things. And, and I'm not a builder. Uh, most of the furniture I've, I've, I haven't built, I've assembled. You know, I'll hit up, you know, and listen, you have to. There's like two people in here I have full confidence could build furniture and it be straight and structurally sound. Uh, when we first moved in this building, uh, we, we got this great deal on some chairs for the youth room. Uh, and some of y'all might remember that. They're these little black wooden chairs. They kind of folded out. And we don't have those anymore, not because we got rid of them, but slowly but surely, they fell apart. And not like, oh, that one's kind of weak. I mean, Matt Robertson went through one one day. And we were like, uh-oh. And then, like, I went, th I went through two or three of them. Like, it was just at any point in time just structurally collapsed without warning. And it was not funny at all when it happened. Uh, it happened to me one time. I was standing on one doing something, and I I went through it. Uh, but slowly but surely, nobody wanted to sit on those chairs because they were structurally unsound. But, you know, we didn't tell people not to. We just kind of let them find out. <laughs> we're a church that cares. But when I read this verse, it talks about building a house on a rock. It's having a sturdy foundation, having a sturdy structure, something that can stand up through the test of time. Whoever built those chairs did not build them to withstand the test of time. When we're talking about our faith, a lot of us have a faith that looks like a solid faith. We have all the information needed to have a solid faith. But when it's put to the test, it rapidly and surely collapses. You know, I, I, I hear about... Uh, you know, people who can quote scripture all day long, and you, you see these people on television who are preachers and uh, teachers, and they can quote, 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 quote scripture, but then you, you see how they live their lives, and the two don't match. And I think perhaps the greatest uh, thing that the world finds wrong with Christianity is people that can act one way and say one thing, but live a completely different way. Uh, when it talks about building, uh, you know, anybody else a YouTube junkie in the room? I'm a YouTube junkie. I'll, I'll admit it. I like YouTube. 
If I have downtime at work, I'm watching YouTube. Okay, I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch YouTube. And I like watching tutorials on how to do things that I will never do. And just dream. like. And I got on this rabbit trail the past couple weeks of these men who were Amish. And they were building barns. And it's cool because they got that, like, listen, I can make fun of them. They're never going to see the video. Okay? It's okay. It's fine. They're like, you offended the Amish. No, I didn't. They're ne- they're, they have no idea I exist, okay? But they talk about how as a community, they come together, and when someone needs a barn built, they everybody shows up, and they have, like, Team A assembling the barn and Team B assembling the foundation, and they make sure the foundation is good, and then they literally, like, all gather around and pick up the barn and towed it down the road and set it on the foundation. And, and somebody was like, well, why do y'all do it this way? They're like, well, you know, if you set the foundation up and you build on it too quick, then uh, the foundation is weak. So what we do is we build off the foundation and then build the foundation, and so that way it's the quickest way to get it done. I'm like, that is so cool. If I built an Amish barn, it would fall over. But it, it brought something up. It's like they took the time to make sure the foundation was, was, was set. The foundation was in place. And they did other things in the meantime. But before they set the building on the foundation, they were more concerned about the foundation than the building. Because think about it. If you build this beautiful building, do you want to be like, okay, we're going to build it. We're going to put hours and hours of men resources. And then we're going to try to pick it up and carry it. Like that's... You know, they're, they're more concerned about the foundation because, you know what, if the building falls over and the foundation is good, you can put another building on top of a foundation. You can't put another foundation under a building. You know, I was on the high school debate team for four and a half hours. I went to the first meeting and was like, these are not my people. But they they always, like, in, in, in meeting number one, they're like, the Found the, the key to any good argument is having a good foundation. If they can tear out your foundation, you, they, can, they can really tear off any argument. And, and I think a lot of us have started arguments, and we started saying words and didn't think where, where it was going. Like, we're just kind of making it up as we go along. Um, and I, I've done that many. I'm not doing that right now, but I have done that many times. <laughs> uh, and so a foundation is good for an argument. Um, you know, the... the if you ever watch the news in Georgia where we get like 55 uh, tornado warnings a year and like no tornadoes, um, which, I mean, it's probably not a good thing that I don't, I don't care anymore. Like, if they're like, there's a tornado, that's, there's not. There's, I've never, I've lived in Georgia my whole life. There's been 10,000 tornado warnings, never seen a tornado. Uh, but they talk about, you know, go to your basement, go to an interior room in your house, and then they talk about like where not to be, and they're like, you know, you want to be somewhere that has solid interior walls. And the safest place to be is underground, surrounded by a good foundation, because when the winds blow, when storms come, the foundation, uh, to quote Larry the Cable Guy in Cars, to be happier than a tornado in a trailer park. <laughs> the reason why is when a house isn't on a st- strong foundation, it can easily be blown away. And I wonder how many times where we can have a solid built structure that is our faith, and our, it looks good. It's functional, um, and it will withstand everyday life. But then once a storm comes, it can't withstand. See, there's a difference between a building that can withstand everyday use and one that can withstand 
a storm. And unlike Georgia, where we're, we're going to have all these storm warnings and never a storm, I don't, I don't think anybody in this building right now has ever gone, you know what, I have never actually had a rough patch in my entire life. It's been smooth sailing since day one, and it's, it's, it's not how it works. There's all, it's not the fact that when or if there will be a storm, it's when there will be a storm. So we've spent the last 40 days gathering in all of this information, learning about the Word of God, learning about uh, how to study Scripture and things like apologetics and how to defend our faith. And it, it's a lot of information to ingest. And I think a lot of us, like, well, I have fun with fun facts of the Bible, like learning different people in the Bible, like even discovering like a new Bible story that maybe I hadn't heard of before. Uh, but what, when it comes to application, that's sometimes the difficult side of it. Because oftentimes we, we want to read about, read the Bible and then go immediately apply it to every aspect of our life. And it sounds great, like you need to read, study the Bible, and then jump right in and start applying it. And that's great. But how well are we learning and understanding our information that we're taking in? The most dangerous people are the ones that use the Bible incorrectly. You know, I, I can, I can, and I've talked about this before, where you can, and if you go to Growth Track, I always use this analogy where we talk about how, like, there's a lot of books that help you understand and read about the Bible, and they're great books, but they're not for everybody. It doesn't matter how many times I read books on being a strong woman of God, I'm never going to become a strong woman of God. <laughs> Is it a bad book? Absolutely not. Is it useful for somebody? Absolutely. Right for me? No, not really. So what, we need to pay attention to what information we're taking in outside the Bible that helps us with the Bible. Because if you're just reading the Bible, that's great. But, like, I'm not smart enough to just read the Bible and not help somebody who's smarter than me help me understand it. It's a lot, a lot of information. And I went to college and heard all these men that were, like, had all the doctors and titles behind their name try to explain the Bible to me. And, like, sometimes they're like, here, just read this. They can explain it better than me. And if guys that spent their entire life in education learning about the doctrines of the Bible are like, this book is really helpful, I, I'm going to go with the book. Like, continually learning about the Bible and taking in information is perhaps the biggest aspect of our faith. Being able to not only spend 40 days in the Word, but spend the next years of our life in the Word. It's not, uh, we took this 40 days in the Word, we learned information, and now we're going to go apply it, and we never have to open up the book again. You know, if, if you were a car, I would tell you to continue to do your preventative maintenance. Spend your daily, every day in the Word at some point. It doesn't matter how long, just do it. Because although the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the information in it never changes, we do. So perhaps the seasons of life that we're in, we need new application and new study and new aspects of our learning to continually be in the Word. You know, when I was a teenager, the books I studied in the Bible and the, like, the things I needed to learn about and, and apply to my life were different than when I got married. And then those changed once I had kids, and they continued to develop over time. And even though the Bible is the same, I often change. 
there could be different struggles that we go through in our life where it, we're dealing with different uh, aspects of just the turmoils of life. It could be financial. It could be relationships. It could be any kind of problem on the planet. And because our problems change, the information we take in on dealing with the problems constantly has to change. If we're going to live by the words of the Bible, then we have to constantly be reading and knowing the words of the Bible. You know, I, I, I used to work, in, for a long time, I worked on cars. That's what I did from the time I was in college till very recently. And, and I heard the phrase all the time, like, this is not the way to do it, but this is how I do it, but you don't need to do it this way. And if you work in a trade, you've said that or someone has said that like this, and this is not the right way to do this. So, like, don't tell anybody I told you how to do it this way, but this is the easiest way to do it. It could blow up, but it's probably not going to. And where that works, and listen, like, I'm sure my dad said stuff like, listen, you're not supposed to touch this screwdriver here, but, you know, just don't tell your brother. Like, I'm just kidding. But listen, like, there's so many times where we want to be like, listen, this isn't the right way to do it, but this is how I do it, and it usually works out. And where that might be fine for, you know, assembling car parts or furniture, how unbelievable to the word says, look, I know this is what the Bible says, but, like, I'm just going to rely on God's grace right now just to deal with me while I'm going through this. Like, it's okay. God will forgive me. Taking creative liberties with Scripture is something reserved for people who are against Scripture. You know, you can. there's a lot of ways we can, we can color outside the lines in our life and maybe do things like, ain't nobody in the room follow the speed limit sign, okay? Nobody. If you do, then people who don't fuss at you. Like, it's funny because it's true. Everybody bends the rules a little bit when it comes to this. You know, I, I know when I'm talking about assembling furniture, when my daughter was born, she got this beautiful little chest of drawers thing. And on the front, I mean, this big was a big sign that said, do not use electric power tools in assembly. So what I do, I got my drill out. I got everything. I'm like, I, well, I'm not a caveman using a screwdriver. And it turned out fine. But how unbelievable is it to an unbelieving world that we can go out there and profess the grace and forgiveness and mercy of Christ and then act like we are better than the rest of the world and better than the person that's serving us lunch and better than the people in our day-to-day lives. And we talk down and we're just mean to people. I remember when I worked, I worked for the holiest company on the planet, Chick-fil-A, for a while. And the, I, had, I, would, I would hate when I'd hear people call in there and they'd call the wrong Chick-fil-A. I worked at one in Athens, and there's, I don't know if you've been to Athens, but there's like 75 Chick-fil-A's in Athens. So every once in a while, someone would call the wrong one. I'd get cussed out on the phone. I'm like, you weren't here. That's another Chick-fil-A in there. You call me a liar? I'm a Christian. You don't need, I believe in Jesus. You can't tell me I'm a liar. I'm, you were just cussing me out. <laughs> you got to pick pick one. You got to cuss me out. That's fine. Don't bring Jesus into it. Okay? If you're going to act like a moron, just stick with the moron side of it. Don't drag faith into it. Okay? <laughs> listen, I'm totally listen. If you're going to act like an idiot, go for it. I'm not going to stop you, but just don't bring your faith into it, okay? I don't need you making my team look bad, okay? 
You know, it, it's one thing for us to have a bad, everybody has a bad day. We've said something we shouldn't have said, and we had to go back and apologize for it later on. It happens to everybody, okay? But, like, when your lifestyle is actively not reflecting the person of Christ, please don't use the person of Christ as a reference. We In our men's Bible study, uh, the the... Rick Burgess, I don't know if you all are familiar with him, he, he, he runs a radio show, and he has this funny saying. He says, I know if I see a scripture verse on a business card, it means they're going to have to ask me to, to forgive them of something later on. <laughs> and it's funny because it's true. If you see that little fish on a, on a business sign, it's, it's, it's funny, but they're, you're probably going to have to forgive them of something later on. And it's bad that that's the stereotype. And it's fun for us to come in here as believers and as people sitting in church and laugh at that stereotype. But unfortunately, that's also how people are looking at us. As Christian business owners and people that go out, and whether you own the business or you're just somebody that's working for a business, if you're going to put Jesus on the name tag, act like Jesus would when you're working. You know, maybe when it says the Bible talks about do as unto the Lord when you work, do as unto the Lord uh, with your actions, you know, treat others like you want to be treated, you know, have a Christian work ethic. Because if the stereotype is that we don't, that's not going to want to make a lot of other people read and study the scriptures and learn what we have and want to have what we have. Putting into application the things that we learn uh, in the Bible goes a lot further than just saying our prayers before we go to bed at night and, you know, being slightly kinder than the person next to us. You know, I, I used to have a, I had a friend who would say, don't tip like a Christian. You know, I, 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 I remember I, 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 working for Chick-fil-A, and like we didn't work for tips, obviously, but the catering jobs, when people would have these huge events, uh, if it was ever at a church, it would either be the nicest, kindest people in the world, or I would get fussed at like, are you sure that nugget tray has 200 nuggets? I think it only has 197. I'm going to need a refund right now. This is the place of God, and you're trying to do bad business in the place of God. And it's like you would either see blatantly obvious evidence of Christ, or you would see the exact opposite. And when it's the exact opposite, it's not a church, it's a country club. Churches are never meant to be filled with perfect people, but it should be filled with people that know how to act right. There's a big difference. And when we're acting on these things that we've learned, there's four aspects and four areas that I think we need to focus on constantly. First of all is our attitude. And you can have an attitude without having an attitude. That's what my dad would say to me. As I wouldn't argue, I wouldn't do it. I would just say, whatever, okay. <laughs> but like our attitudes, you know, it, you, you can't hide your face, okay? I mean, you kind of can now with the whole mask thing, but like I can't breathe when I have one on. Like I, I can't. And so like uh, it's, anyways, but. You can't hide your face. And so we could say kind words, but with our face, we're like, listen, if you were hit by lightning right now, I'd roast a marshmallow on you. Okay, that's, that's what our face is saying. 
What's the easiest way to fix our attitude? There's, it's clearly lined out in Scripture. It's called the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? The first, first, what's the very first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Okay? Second one is joy. You need to be happy. All right? There's a difference between happy and joy. Okay? Peace and patience. Those are the two, and we're going to stop there. Peace and patience. I think pretty much everything else in the fruits of the Spirit line up with peace and patience. Are you starting a fight, and are you sick of waiting on somebody? That's usually what it comes down to. You're a lot more loving if you're focused on peace. It's a lot easier to be nice to the wait staff when we're okay to be patient and understand that this little girl that's bringing us tea is not the one cooking the food. Also, is not the one that owns the building. When it comes to our relationship with our spouse or our kids, like, how patient are we being? Because for me, I've seen this so many times, it's easiest to lose your patience with the people you love the quickest. We'll spend all day long cheesing up our boss and the people we work with and get home and take everything out on the people we say we love the most. Our influence. There's somebody watching you at all times. There's somebody learning from you at all times. Whether it's good or bad, you're a leader. You never know what, what you know, little eyes are watching you and learning about you and setting up their perhaps habits for the future based on you. You know, there's, I can't tell you how many times I'd, I'd be working on something and doing something that was perhaps coloring outside the lines when it came to fixing something and never told anybody. And then next thing you know, one of the new lube techs at the shop did it. And it'd be like, where'd you learn that from? They're like, well, he did it. And I'd be like, all right, so. <laughs> like, well, I saw him do it. I figured it was fine. And you never know who's watching you. How many, how many of y'all have raised children that were like, that made it to like age three or four, and they repeated something you said, and you're just like, oh, they are listening to me. <laughs> Slash their mama. <laughs> I love you, dear. No, but, but how many times do your kids repeated something back to you, and you heard them say something, and you're just like, I, or they, even better, that you heard them say something, and it's something you heard somebody else say. You don't realize how much people listen to you until you, somebody starts repeating back to you what you sound like. You know, I see it on Facebook all the time. I see talk about, you know, uh, I feel like I need to apologize to my mama because now I'm raising me. <laughs> and I feel that. But let me tell you something. A lot of times it's a lot easier to be a better influencer when you let the right influences in. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of information that comes through your phone every day. And if a lot of your influence comes through the TikTok, first of all, I'm going to say this. This might not be a popular statement. Grown men don't need TikTok. Okay? All right? There's nothing on TikTok that's going to help you be a better husband, a better worker, a better, and they're like, well, I like the tutorials. YouTube's got tutorials, and so does books. Okay? The manly men in the 1940s who were fighting the Germans didn't come home and like, you know what, I think a fun short limerick would be fun. No, they sat in the study, propped up their feet, and read a book. And I think we need more of that in our culture. 
There's too many men that are not acting like men and acting like boys. Boys are on TikTok and Snapchat and whatever those are. And that's not a popular opinion. It's like, well, it's my way of unwinding. You know what? Go operate a saw. Unwind with a Go shoot something. It's time that we not only be men of God, but we act, emphasize both the of God and the men aspect. Let your influence, if you want to act and become somebody, read books, take in resources about that person. If you want to be more like Jesus, read more uh, books that have to do with the Bible. If you want to be a better husband, start learning from people who act like better husbands, not your coworker who's been divorced 74 times that seems to know all the answers. <laughs> you know, the people that talk to people that raise kids, not people that are like, well, if I had kids, I sure wouldn't do that. You, do you have kids? No. Shut up. <laughs> I would never let my child do that. Well, we'll see that when your kids are eating, you know, chewing on goldfish that have been under the fridge for four days. Next one is service. Service comes in so many different aspects. We serve the people we love. We serve at our jobs. We serve at our church. And that's the one that we, we kind of get a little like, eh, on. It's service. You know, service at church for a long time meant willing to stack chairs. You know, at our job, we're like, I don't, I don't serve at my job. I do my job, and I go home. But ultimately, we, we are serving somebody no matter where we are. And that somebody could be ourselves. Are we, when we read the Bible and we take in all these resources and we're understanding what we're reading, are we acting like a Christ-like servant? Or are we focusing on whatever serves our interests the best? And it's never, I'm never going to be one of those people that you need to be here from sunup to sundown at the church and there should never be a spot on the wall anywhere and you should just devote your entire life like a monk would to serving the cause of Christ. No, but I do think you need to make sure that we're being faithful in our tithe and giving. I think we need to be faithful in the way we treat our spouses and we're not letting them do all the work at the house. I think that we need to be a godly worker at our job and we need to, whether we're getting paid the most, we need to be busting our butt the most because there's a lot of people watching us. I think that when we're serving our fellow man and we need to treat them with kindness and make sure that we're being a contributor, not somebody who's just constantly taking. So with our attitude, our influence, our service, and lastly, our generosity. And sometimes generosity looks like a, di a lot of different faces. You know, anytime I, growing up I heard churches talk about generosity, they were trying to buy something or build something. But generosity goes so much further than what you, you can contribute financially. Are we generous of spirit where we're giving people extra measures of grace when perhaps they don't deserve it? Are we generous with our time where we set ourselves on the back burner and focus on others? Are we generous with our talent? Is there something that we're really good at that can help serve our fellow man that's a resource for others that they may not be good at? Are we generous with our home? Are we a place of rest and rescue for those who might need it? Are we generous 
at our jobs where are we doing the bare minimum or are we going above and beyond? See, when I, when I read everything about Christ, he was nothing but generous. And where we can never be as generous as Christ was because we don't have to give what he gave. But in, in reality, if the question, am I acting as generous as Christ would in this situation, I think that helps fix perhaps the way we serve, the way we influence, and it definitely helps fix our attitude. The way we act has a lot to do with how generous we are. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the world and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen, but do what it says. None of this works and ultimately means anything if you don't believe what you read. So often we want to read the promises of God and the doctrine of Scripture. We want to read and hear all these great things and treat them as though they're just like a fun life quote. You know, we want to put a background with like a sunset and a horse in it and then put it on Facebook and like there's your encouragement for today. And then not ultimately believe a word it says. The Psalms say that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. It didn't say it was an encouragement to make me smile for the first five minutes I'm on Facebook. It didn't say that it's some fun quote I can get tattooed so everybody knows, you know, oh, what's that tattoo mean? It's so cute. Like, it's not what that means. It didn't say your word is something that I can quote whenever I get into trouble that I think is going to bail me out because I suddenly learned a new scripture. It says it's a lamp to my feet and a light in my path. It's not only going to tell me where I'm going, it's going to help me see why I'm going there. If we don't trust and believe in the words that we read, it doesn't have any effect on what we do. You can read all you want to, and if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. I read a ton of bad information on purpose because I like understanding what stupid people believe now. <laughs> it's funny, but like, you know, I, I, I watched a, an hour-long video of someone trying to convince people the world was flat. And like they had, they well, they thought they had some great arguments. Were like, listen, if you look at the, it's like, and they believed it, but it's like, I don't believe a word you're saying, and so I'm not going to really adjust my life based on the fact the Earth is flat. You know, we hear things all the time, and you're like, oh, that's cool, and you don't believe a word they say, so you don't let it change your life at all. You know, people who don't like certain foods, they can be like, you know, I hear it all the time with deer meat. Okay. Dear me, that's this is this is this is some biblical stuff right here. You will never see a bigger argument than someone's like, "Listen, you just haven't had it the right way." And listen, I love deer meat, but someone's like, "I don't like deer meat." Well, listen, you haven't had it the way I cooked it. I'm convinced that if you take this, 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 and this, and then put it in here, and then do this, whoever doesn't like deer meat, then they're going, "Oh yeah, really? I'm never gonna try that." And you can say all the words in the planet, but if they, someone doesn't believe it, they're never going to put it into application, okay? You're never going to do anything in your life that you don't at least in some form believe works. It may be just a glimmer of hope that it'll work. It might be the Hail Mary pass, but listen, if you got to have, what does the Bible say? The faith of a mustard seed. 
You have to be able to trust all of this thing, all of these things that we've taken in the past 40 days. You have to truly ask yourself, do I believe it? And when you can answer yes, then we can build on it and live by it and start applying it. Will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we could come before you and worship you. We thank you that we can uh, all just gather this wonderful place called Life Point and learn your word and learn your ways. Pray that you would be with us going forward and help us to always remember why we do what we do. In your son's name, amen. Six o'clock, chili cook-off tonight. Bring chili, bring candy, bring a vehicle with decorations. We hope you're there.